It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to this edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. Our guest on this edition of the podcast will be Matthew Thompson. He was the Fuel's Rookie of the Year this past season, totaling 50 points and 21 goals for the Fuel. And he was also the ECHL's Plus Performer of the Month in the month of March with a plus 13 rating. And he was an outstanding three-zone player for the Fuel. And because of his play, he earned himself an American Hockey League contract signing with the Rockford Icehogs on May 2nd. And so he is now one of six players who played for the Fuel in the 2018-19 season to sign American Hockey League contracts with Rockford for 2019-20 and earn that opportunity to move up to the next level. In fact, he is the first graduate of the Adrian College Hockey Program, which is an outstanding program at the Division Three level to sign an AHL deal. So that conversation coming up a little bit later on. Fuel fans, stop by the Indiana Farmers Coliseum on Thursday, June 27th, 2019 from 5 to 8 p.m. for the annual Indy Fuel Open House. This is always one of the fun events of the summer as you get a chance to hang out with your Fuel family, meet some old friends, make some new ones. You can reserve your tickets for the upcoming season. Also, you can stock up on merchandise at the Fuel's biggest sale of the year, learn more about the Nitro Kids Club presented by PNC Bank. You can meet the team's sponsors and vendors, play games, have some food, and have a great time. Thursday, June 27th, 2019, from 5 to 8 p.m. at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. It's a busy time in the ECHL. The league meetings were last week in Las Vegas, and we'll likely see some news as to any league business that was conducted during those league meetings here very shortly. One big date coming up on the ECHL calendar is June 30th. That's when the league qualifying offer lists are due. A couple of weeks ago, the teams submitted their season-ending rosters. The Fuel had every player who finished the year on an ECHL contract playing their last game in Indy on the end-of-season roster. They can qualify up to eight players by giving them a qualifying offer. And for any non-veteran, that will secure their ECHL rights for one year for the Fuel. Veterans, those rights are secured until August 1st. All other players then become free agents. And so after that is really when the offseason signing period heats up and we'll see new head coach Doug Christensen signing some new players and likely bringing back some old ones as well as we'll see that roster begin to get built in the month of July as we tick closer to the start of the 2019-20 season. Of course, last week also, the NHL draft and the parent Chicago Blackhawks had the third pick overall in the draft, and they picked Kirby Dock, who is a huge forward, six foot three, 210 pounds from the Saskatoon Blades of the Western Hockey League. He had 73 points, including 25 goals in 62 games for the Blades last season. And he also played for Canada at the Under-17 Hockey Challenge as well. Kirby was one of six players picked by the Chicago Blackhawks in the second round. They took Alex Vlasic from the U.S. National Team Development Program. There were nine Americans picked in the first round, and he was actually the 11th American in the first 43 picks. A great 
draft day for USA hockey with a lot of high end talent going to NHL teams. And so we'll enjoy following those six players as they matriculate through junior and college hockey and then come into the Blackhawks system. And some of those we'll likely see in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum suiting up for the Indy Fuel in the near future in a couple of years as we see the draft picks begin to matriculate through the system and some new ones every year. As mentioned earlier, our guest on this week's edition of Under the Hood is Matthew Thompson, the Indy Fuels Rookie of the Year for the 2018-19 season. Talk about what it means to you to have the opportunity to sign that American Hockey League contract and work your way up through the system. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's something special. Um, I think any time you get presented an opportunity to play at you know the next level or or move up, no matter what it what it is, it's something exciting. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. Uh, I'm excited for camp to start. Um, you know all, all those kinds of things. But at the same point, I'm not necessarily satisfied. Um, I haven't really played any games there or, or anything like that. So I still have a lot of work to do, but, but yeah, definitely excited at the opportunity. And just getting the opportunity is one thing you mentioned. Now you have the opportunity uh, to make the team and to uh, have a chance to show what you can do at that level. Uh, how important is training camp going to be and how much are you looking forward to uh, the uh, the camp coming up here in uh, September and October? Um, I, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's any, any training camp is big. Um, it's a, it's a chance for you to showcase, uh, your skills, what you, what you bring to the table, um, everything like that. So having a big summer here is, is huge. Uh, training, skating, all that kind of stuff, making sure that I'm, I'm as ready as I can be for camp and, uh, hopefully impress, um, it's it's a short period of time, so kind of have to be ready to go right from the start, and uh, and hopefully I am. How did you get onto a Rockford's radar screen? Obviously, you're playing within the organization here in Indy, but was it your play throughout the year that uh, caught the eye of Mark Bernard and the people in Rockford? Yeah, um, so I went to their camp um, before this past season, uh, I unfortunately got injured pretty early on, but I got my name out there with them. Uh, and then, like you said, played the full season in Indy. Um, had a pretty successful one personally. Uh, and yeah, I think it was just the, the 200 foot game. I like to play, um, a centerman, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think I, I showed just a lot of, of good things for them down the stretch, things that, that Mark Bernard liked, and uh, we've talked about it, and I think it was kind of just an over-the-course-of-the-year thing. Like you said, it wasn't really you know one moment or, or one thing. It was, it was just the full season, stringing together first full pro season, and having the success that I had, I think, uh, stood out to them. Now, you're the first Adrian Bulldog to sign an American Hockey League contract. What does it mean to you to be able to represent Adrian by uh, being the first player from the program to uh, go up to the next level? It's special. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about Adrian College. I 
absolutely loved my four years there. Um, Coach Adam Cooch did wonders for, for my development as a player. And I guess as for being the first, it's, it's nice, but it's not something I necessarily think about. There's tons of talent uh, constantly in that program, and there's, there's going to be plenty more players signing in, in the East Coast and probably signing in the AHL down the road. It's it's a program that is constantly successful, uh, constantly has great players coming in. So it's special to be the first, but there's there's going to be more coming. You referred to this earlier as we're in the offseason, you're training, you're getting ready. What does the offseason look like for a hockey player? Uh, for me right now, it's a little different, I guess. Um, so I had a hip surgery at the start of the off season uh, right when our season ended so I'm doing a, a lot of rehab um, a lot of you know anti-gravity treadmill work all that kind of stuff and starting to ease my way back onto the ice and in the gym so it's it's a little different for me um, I haven't really had an off-season surgery prior to this but it's a lot of taking care of your body you know you spend the first couple weeks relaxing, uh, see your friends as much as you can, catch up with your family, anything like that, and just kind of unwind from the grind of, of the full season and then try and get right back into it. It's, uh, it's a lot of training, a lot of eating well, taking care of your body, just things like that. It's, it's a full-time job in itself. Uh, you mentioned uh, a lot of training, a lot of off-ice work, obviously, but uh... Are there a handful of players, both from the Fuel as well as maybe some other hockey players that uh, live here in the off season? They get together and skate and play as the off season goes on. Yeah, there's uh, so Matt Rupert's still here uh, this summer. He had a surgery as well, so we've been we've been training a lot together, uh, hanging out a lot together. So it's nice to kind of at least have somebody here with you. It's obviously not ideal circumstances, but it's it definitely makes it easy and. Um, yeah, there's a group over at the fuel tank. They they work out and skate every day. It's anywhere from college to East Coast, AHL. Um, a couple guys are on NHL deals, stuff like that. So there's a good group over there, and I'm hoping to be cleared uh, by the doctors soon in the near future and start training with them. So it'll be good to train with a group. Group training is always uh, more beneficial, I find, and uh, it should be a good group to uh, to join. Now that you've had a couple of months to step back and uh, look back at your first full professional season, just reflect on the year and uh, how did it go for you? Obviously, a 50-point year is a pretty good uh, rookie year, but just describe the year you had. Uh, it was a, an eventful one, I guess. Um it was my first introduction to to pro hockey. First introduction to seventy game or seventy two game season. You know, you come from college, you play anywhere from twenty six to thirty over the course of the year. A lot of practices in college, um, stuff like that. So it it was an adjustment, but I loved it. Um, season started out relatively slow, I guess, for me. Um, took me a little bit to kind of adjust. Uh, I found I was trying to do too much or, you know, constantly worrying if 
if I'm going to stay, if I can play at this level, all that kind of stuff. And I had a talk to my dad after every game pretty much. And I had a big conversation with him after one and kind of made me realize just to relax, um, you know, good enough to be here. So relax, just play the game, play how I can have fun with it and, and see where it goes kind of thing. And I guess that was a major turning point in my season. And, uh, started playing loose. Um, Coach Bernie and Coach Ryan gave me some opportunities on power play time and stuff like that. And uh, I kind of took those opportunities and ran with it and uh, and ended up having a, a very successful second half of the season. And especially because it is your first year as a professional and your first year kind of going through that grind of a 72-game season, did you just continue to feel like it got – a little easier for you or the game slowed down or you felt the, uh, the game coming to you more because as you mentioned, the second half of the year uh, you were really outstanding and your skill in all three zones really showed. Yeah, I think it's, it's like anything. Uh, the more you do it, the more you're around it, it's just inevitable that you're going to become more comfortable doing it or, or playing the game. So the, the longer I was there, yeah, it, it became easier. I came, became more familiar with the systems, uh, more familiar with my teammates, everything like that. So it definitely started to get, to get easier. Um, you got used to the, the travel, the, you know, the practices, the big games, the, whatever the case may be. It just naturally, you're, you're going to become more comfortable. So, so that helped. Um, and then, yeah, just, the full course of the season has many, many ups and downs through a full professional season. Every player, every athlete is going to go go through them. So you just kind of have to learn to balance them and, and try and limit the lows and then not get too high when you when you do have success. Because you know, like anything, it's it's going to come in waves, and, and you just have to try and be as consistent as you can over the full full course of the season. How important was the experience, even though you felt just shy of making the Kelly Cup playoffs? It felt like every game from about November on was a playoff game. How important was that experience of playing in big games night in and night out? Yeah, it's it's something you, you don't really know or you can't really prepare for in a sense. Um, you just kind of have to, have to experience it and have to play in it. Um, all players want to play in those big games um they want to be difference makers in those big games whether it's in the playoffs making a playoff push like like we did down uh down the stretch anything like that you you constantly want to be in those environments in those games so it it was a good experience it's something i think will help me down the road um obviously we fell just short of the goal or, or making the playoffs and uh when you do that you can't help but think of you know things you could have done better or things you could work on for next season anything like that so taking all that i think it's it's going to help me down the road and make me a better player and uh and something i'm going to carry with me for for the years to come what does it mean to you you were the league's plus performer had the best plus minus in the echl in march but also year what did it mean to you to be able to come away from this year with those honors it's special um Anytime you can get recognized for your work, it's 
it's something nice, something to to appreciate. But it's not an individual game like hockey. Hockey is a full team sport. So if we, you know, weren't having the team success down the stretch, uh, winning games, anything like that, I wouldn't have been able to get the plus performer. Let's say like it's it's the whole team contributes to any of those awards. So the success we had down the stretch, the style we were playing, um, how well we were playing for that stretch, all that comes into play. But yeah, it's it's nice to to receive them. It's it definitely helps. Um, for instance, signing with Rockford, let's say, or something, it definitely helps with that. But um, I wouldn't say it was just me or or anything like that that uh, deserves them or gets them. It's it's a shared thing, no matter what. Well, we. Uh talk uh, a lot especially because the ECHL is a three-line league that every player really has to be a bit of a Swiss army knife who can do a little bit of everything kill penalties play on the power play play in a checking role play in a scoring role has your game always been one where you can do just about everything and do it well um I mean I, I appreciate you saying that uh I guess so um you know, growing up at a young age, my my dad would always have me watch certain players or certain centermen, things like that. And it was never the goal scorer or the most skilled guy on the team or anything like that. He would have me watch the the two hundred foot players, the the ones that do everything. Um, so I guess it kind of started at a young age, and then when I got to Adrian College. Uh, Coach Krug put me in all those situations relatively early in my time there. So he kind of helped me develop those skills as far as, you know, being good on, on face-offs, killing penalties, power play when he can, 200-foot, uh, take care of your zone, and then the offensive zone stuff will just naturally naturally fall into place for you. And, um, yeah, it's kind of something I've I've tried to through my whole career and and never stay one dimensional. Um, I think anytime you have aspirations to move up and, and play at higher levels, you you need to make yourself as as versatile as you can. So other teams, you know, will want you. So I've kind of always tried to do that, and uh, and yeah, I guess it's paying off now. Uh, you mentioned watching guys growing up. Uh, who were some of the players that you looked up to or tried to model your game after? Um, one that, that sticks out would be Pavel Datsuk when he was in Detroit growing up. Um, again, very, very high skilled, but never led the league in points, never did anything outstanding in that regard, but just did everything on the ice, anything the coach needed, anything to, to help the team win. And, and I would watch him a lot. And then, um, Lately, been watching uh, Coach, or yeah, Coach Giroux. I'm a Flyers fan, so watch a lot of him and uh, Patrice Bergeron in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just the way that they they play, um, always taking care of their zone, always above the puck. Uh, very tough to play against. Not in the regards of physicality or or anything like that. It's just they're they're always there. They're always in the right place. 
Um, and then, like I said earlier, the offensive stuff is just bound to happen if you do do the right stuff. And and that's that's how their careers kind of go and and what it's based off of. So I guess those guys kind of stick out for me. Yeah, you grew up a Flyers and Eagles fan, so you get a chance to celebrate a Super Bowl, a championship a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, what was it like growing up a Flyers fan uh, in suburban Toronto? Yeah, it, it was different. Um, I got a lot of grief from my friends growing up. Um, so when my, my dad's from England, and uh, when he came over, it was the, you know, his, his intro to hockey, if you will, or the NHL was the Broad Street Bullies, back-to-back cups, all that kind of stuff. So he loved it, loved uh, Perron in that. And, uh, and yeah, he, he became a fan instantly. So right from birth, pretty much, I, uh, I was a Flyers fan. And we haven't had great success as of late, but uh, still a fan regardless. And, yeah, it was it was weird, but... I mean, hockey's so big in, in Canada and the Toronto area that, you know, you get fans of, of every team, no matter where you go, not just Toronto. So it was it was different, but it wasn't too bad. <laughs> Describe what it was like growing up in Bolton, Ontario, which uh, for our listeners, about 30 miles northwest of Toronto. And so you're kind of on the fringe of the Toronto metro area. But what was it like growing up there and playing hockey there? And what kind of sparked this uh, love of the game for you? Uh, so, well, I actually moved to Bolton when I was about 18 or so. I spent most of my, well, pretty much all my childhood in Allison, Ontario, which is another 20 minutes north of Bolton. And, uh, it's a very, it was a very small town when I was growing up. Um, you know, you, you go to school, class with your buddies, recess with your buddies, go home, play with them and then go to the rink with them kind of thing. It's, it's a very tight-knit, small-town um, hockey. We had single-A, uh, which isn't huge by any means. It's it's decent, but it's not, you know, the double-A cities or the triple-A cities. So it's a small-town um, shinny in the mornings with my dad at 6 a.m., go to school, print all that kind of stuff. So I, I was always at the rink or, or playing street hockey or, or something with my friends. It was, it was just one of those things that everybody did in the town. And then uh, you went from there uh, and eventually ended up playing in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. And how did that prepare you for uh, your college career and your eventual pro career? Uh, it was it was big. Um, so my first year of the Ontario Junior Hockey League was with Orangeville. Um, and I did a full-time semester at Humber College while I was playing. I didn't really think that NCAA was going to be an option for me, so I was trying to get my schooling done. My parents have always been big believers in in education and uh, making sure that I I do go to school. So for for them, if I was able to play hockey or use hockey to get an education, it was something that that I was going to do. So I was a full-time student playing my first year uh, and then some schools slowly started talking to me, and then I got traded to the Trenton Golden Hawks, and that's kind of where I guess my junior career turned. Um, played for a coach named Jerome Dupont, and he did wonders for me. It was 
top class junior organization. They they treated us extremely well. My billet family there was great. Um, the overall experience was was one I'll never forget, and it got me ready for the next level. and And I ended up going to Adrian College from there. And Adrian uh, Division Three program, but. It touts itself as having the largest hockey program in the United States because not as not just the NCAA program, but also three different club teams uh, on campus as well. And what was it like to play college hockey in a culture that uh, is so immersed in hockey that has so many hockey players on a small campus, and then uh, playing for somebody who is just an outstanding coach at Adam Krug? Yeah, it's a crazy hockey school. Um, there's men's and women's NCAA teams, and then there's three club teams for both men and women. Um, so, I mean, there's eight eight teams on campus, I'm pretty sure, in a 2,000-student school. So the rink's always packed. Um, people are always talking hockey, playing hockey, whatever the case may be. So it was a positive environment. It's, it's a school that'll definitely help uh hockey players grow become better players and then like you said just the the coaching of of adam krug and any any level from president docking down they instill a, a winning attitude a positive attitude um all the right things so it it really helps mold you to become a better player uh to move to the next level but then for those that that choose not to pursue professional hockey afterwards they just take those values uh into the work world and and people are having great success that have graduated our program in the work world now so whatever the case may be they they prep you for the next level and uh and yeah they do a tremendous job now you mentioned that uh, your major if i remember correctly was sports management yes and so being able to uh, play professional hockey and kind of see the front office side of things, uh, how much has that helped as you maybe uh, look for your career once uh, life beyond hockey hits? Yeah, so I graduated from Adrian with a major, like you said, in sports management, and then I minored in economics. And any time you can make connections in in life is huge, never mind in your field of work or your, your dream field of work, which for me is obviously athletics or hockey. So anytime you can make connections, build relationships, anything like that, it's, it's going to help you through life. Um, it, it, it's a big thing. Uh, you know, a lot of people oftentimes say it's, it's all about who you know to an extent. And, uh, the more people you can get to know in, in your field of work is, is going to help you and, and, so I'm just trying to, I guess, meet as many people as I can, take in as much as I can, and uh, see where it goes. And you had the opportunity uh, a lot this past season to give back to the community. I know uh, earlier today as we were recording this, uh, you did an event over at the Children's Museum uh, helping teach hockey to uh, some uh, some youngsters that were visiting. And What does it mean to you to be able to do that? It's something I, I always enjoy doing. Um, whether they're fuel fans or not, whether they're hockey fans or not, it's 
it's kids and anytime you can make a positive impact on a kid's life or give them a memory, whether it's they, they cherish it for that day, for a week, for the month, whatever the case may be, just anytime you can have a positive impact on on someone's life, I think it's important that, that you do it. And the community does so much for for the team, the the Fuel brand, everything across the board. So anytime I can give back to them, uh, whatever the case may be, I definitely try to make an effort too. Because I still remember when I was a kid and people went out of their way or athletes, you know, came to our school or played or gave me a puck after warm-ups or something like that. It just stays with you because, you know, those are people you look up to or or people you want to be one day. So I think anytime I have the opportunity to, to do the same, I, I definitely jump at, jump at it. And looking back on this year, is there a favorite moment, a favorite memory you have from uh, this past season? Um, I'm not sure I could, I could pick just one, I guess. Um, aside from, you know, the hockey and the wins and, and things like that, there's, there's a lot, uh, you know, I had family, friends make it to see me play, uh, the first time they've seen me play a pro game. So those games are obviously special. Um, any big fan nights, those games are special, anything like that. Like it, it's tough to pick one memory, I guess, through, through the course of the year. There's there's a lot of, of really good things. Um, I know that doesn't necessarily answer your question, but I just, I think there's just too, I had too many good things, too many positive things to, to just narrow it down to one. And I'll ask you kind of a two-pronged question. The house was almost was full, or pretty close to it, almost every game the second half of the season. What was that like to play in front of? And also, what's the satisfaction of being in the room together after a win and uh, just being able to uh, enjoy that accomplishment? Yeah, so the first part, the, the fans were outstanding uh, all season. Um we we get great crowds. They're loud. They're passionate. Um, down the stretch, as you alluded to, the numbers were were higher. We're at sellout or pretty close the whole way down the stretch. And you just can't help but have more energy when you play in those games. Your legs feel lighter. Uh, you feel the, the energy from the fans. You feel them pulling for you. You know all that kind of stuff. So it's special anytime you can play in a cello building, especially at home. So I guess thank you fans for, for everything. And then anytime you get a win, it's a special feeling. Um, anytime you get a win in a, in a packed arena, come back in at home, you're in your own room, everything like that. It's, it's a special time. Um, I know a lot of people that are, are done playing hockey now and and that's probably the one thing they miss the most is, is just being around the guys constantly on a day to day basis, never mind after a big win at home. So it's it's something you can't really put into words, but it's it's a special time. It's it's something that everybody loves, everybody cherishes, everybody has a smile on their face. 
the you know girly music's playing, guys are singing, everything like that. So it's definitely a blast. Uh, the one thing about this year's Fuel team is that it seemed like a group of really high character guys who really enjoyed being together and playing hockey alongside each other. What was it like spending a year with that group of players? This this year's group was phenomenal. We we were extremely tight, extremely close. Um, everybody was was in it for the same goals, the same purpose. Um, and I guess like for the apartments, we, we all live together as well, pretty much We're we're in the same apartment complex. So we're constantly having dinners together, watching hockey games together or certain shows, whatever the case may be. So you can't help but build extremely close relationships when you're, when you're with people that much. So it, it was a very, very special group, a tight knit group, um, we we had characters, we had the funny funny groups, um, the loud groups, the just everything and, and it all blended and, and worked really well together. Have you had a chance to talk to Derek King and Rockford and uh, your impressions of him? Uh, I haven't uh, had a chance to talk to him since signing. Um, I talked to him a, a bit at camp last year uh, because I, I was injured. I was spending a lot of time in the gym and, and on the bike and getting work done by, by the training staff there. So he, he was constantly around. Um, so I, I talked to him briefly, but he's had tremendous success playing professional hockey. Um, he seems like a, a great man. Uh, he took over halfway through the season and did a great job if, uh, so I think it's going to be exciting to see what he does in a full season. Um, and I mean, I, I guess that's, that's a really, like, I, I'm excited to meet him, talk to him more, get to know him on a personal level and, and see where it goes. Well, you've had a handful of teammates that have also signed AHL contracts and Osipov and Matt Tompkins signing an extension and as well as a couple of the new guys that, uh, came in at the end of the year, uh, what does it mean to you and uh, really for the fuel to have several players playing on ECHL deals to earn themselves the opportunity, you being in that group, to uh, to move up to the next level? It's important for, for any program to have people move up to the next level. It's going to make your team and your program a desired one for people to play at if they know there's a chance if they do the right things, if they play the right way, have success, there's a good chance they're going to get a chance at the next level. So I think it's really important. Um, it's nice to see those guys getting rewarded. Tompkins was phenomenal for us all season long. Uh, I can't say enough good things about him as a person, as a guy, as a player, whatever the case may be. He's a just great, great guy. And then Ozipov 100% deserves it as well. He is a horse back there. Uh, the guy never stops skating, fights, hits, absolute bomb from the point. So it's nice to see guys get rewarded. Um, and then if they're getting rewarded with you, in a sense, it's kind of nice that you keep those relationships going throughout to the next level. 
Um, you know, you're not going blind into a, a team where you don't know a single person or completely unfamiliar. You kind of helps that comfort level uh, being with and seeing guys that, that you've played with for, you know, a year and a half now. So I think it'll help, and it's it's really good for the Indy Fuel to have players moving up. Anything else you'd like to share with the fans here in Indy? Uh, I'm excited for next year if I am in Indy. Um, I look forward to having their support again, uh, and, and thank you for a great season. They, they're tremendous fans. Um, the support, the, the cheering at the games, the community stuff, whatever the case may be, they're, they're top-notch fans, and, and we all appreciate it, and, and I do. I do a lot, so thank you. And if I see them again, then I look forward to it. We'll, we'll have a blast. And if not, thank you very much. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on this edition of the End of the Hood podcast. Matthew Thompson with the Indy Fuel. Thank you very much. And we want to thank Matthew Thompson for joining us on this edition Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. Again, Fuel fans, stop by the Indiana Farmers Coliseum on Thursday, June 27th from 5 to 8 p.m., it's the Indy Fuel Open House. You can secure your seats for the 2019-20 season. Stop by the sale and pick up all kinds of fuel merchandise, as well as get some food, play some games, and have a lot of fun. It's the Indy Fuel Open House Thursday, June 27th, from 5 to 8 p.m. at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. And again, you can also get your season tickets by calling 317-925-FUEL, or you can visit IndyFuelHockey.com to find out more. Thanks for joining us on this trip under the hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.